Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today at Pathway Community Church's podcast. Our heart for you is that you would encounter God like never before, and you would begin to get a new, revitalized passion for Jesus and all that he has for you. If you want to find out more info about Pathway Community Church, please visit www.pathwaycc.org. Or to find out about some amazing upcoming events, go to www.pathwayevents.org. We just hope you have the best day and that God would do a miracle, life-changing work in your heart. Bless you. still kind of fits. I probably should have tried that before I came up here. <laughs> I've had, whoa. Whoa. Well, can we edit that out? <laughs> I'm not even going to try and uh, button this thing here. I've had this shirt for a few years. I guess I've grown, grown a little bit. <laughs> John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles... Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1. I'll be looking at verses 29 through 51 for the next several moments. As you're turning there, I just just have this incredible stirring within my heart that God wants us to get this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I bow before you in my heart right now, we need to hear from you and you alone. God, I just pray that as we we come into this particular passage that we wouldn't just be caught up in the status quo and the familiarity of this particular passage, but that we would have your heart, we would hear your heart, know your heart, and move with your heart. You wrote this and you kept this for us. Because you expected us to grab it and to do something with it. Oh, Father, I'm just asking you right now. Open this word to us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Oh, Help me as I preach your word today. Stir us. Stir us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, verse 29, out of the New Living Translation, says the next day Jesus, or excuse me, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As I prepped for this particular message, I I kept pausing based off what I believe Holy Spirit was speaking to me. 
Do you realize the significance of that one statement? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John goes on to say, he says, he is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah or the anointed one, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but... When God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, There is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard that, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he says, what do you want? He asked them. They called rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Now, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Now, Andrew, in verse 41, went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. The world may call you failure, but God sees you as a child of God. Somebody here this morning is in need of the reminder that you have had a name change in Jesus Christ. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Now Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel a man of complete integrity. How do you know that about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? Well, you will see greater things than this. 
Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. This is such a rich passage. Before us today, we have a text that illuminates the calling of the first disciples. But more importantly, and I believe more timely, to all who would hear these words today, both online as well as within this sanctuary, is that we hear these words today and we take them to heart because we have a challenge before us to embrace and to be challenged with or walk away from this message in a spirit of obedience and acknowledgement of our call. This message is timely. Today, every one of you that is hearing me preach has a choice to make. You can chose to, or choose excuse me, to continue to just stockpile it into the intellectual resources of the mind, or you can choose to let the intellect fall into your heart and to motivate or stir your heart into a place of action with this word. This isn't just a, a tickle the funny bone type of a message today. This is a message today that I believe God has for us to engage with pathway because it is a message of life and death, a message of hope and forgiveness, a message of restoration and identity. I put this jersey on not because I like the Cincinnati Reds and not obviously because it Well, it does fit me a little bit. But I put this jersey on because I want to share with you an example of something I'm seeing outside of the church that will affect the inside of the church. Currently, I'm an assistant coach for Christian School of York's high school baseball team. And recently, at one of our practices, a young man showed up who was desiring to learn and to play the game of baseball. He showed up with his glove in hand. He had his workout gear on. And he started to warm up with the other men on the team. But as the team worked through drills, it wasn't too long into practice to see that the desire to play this game was purely right up in here and had never connected right here with the heart. Because as the drills started to get tougher, doing sit-ups to batting drills to throwing drills and grounding drills, there became a separation between the rest of this team and this young man who decided to remove himself from the team and just sit and observe. This young man had made a choice. He made the choice to be a fan, an observer, when he had the opportunity to become a player. He looked like he was ready to play baseball. He had the right clothing, 
He had the right language. He had the right glove. He had the right equipment. But when it came to actually exercising, learning and going through the skills of baseball, he sat with his arms folded and separated from the rest of the action. True story. Church, do we do the same thing when it comes to the faith? Do we come looking the part of church, speaking the part of church, conversing about church, but yet when it comes to the most basic fundamental things of the church, i.e., go and make. (laughs) When it comes to the most basic things of going and making and teaching and baptizing, do we look the church or do we play the church? You see, we're called to not just put on a jersey to look good, but we're called to get out there and get our hands dirty to be a people of action for whatever reason that was God's desire, that was his intent, was that he would use the church, as we learned, to express the manifold wisdom of God, his word says. And as followers of Jesus Christ, as his disciples... Do we look like players but act more like fans? Or are we people who are willing to do the work and take the field for Jesus? In continuation of my my baseball story, it's funny because God, he just must have needed to give me an object lesson for this particular sermon. I've never been on a baseball team where I've had a couple new players that have never really played the game of baseball come into a coaching situation for high school. But there's another player that has joined our team. And this kid was just like the others. He had a glove. He had his outfit. He knew how to pick up a ball. He wanted to play baseball, but something was different, and you could see it within him. When it came to the drills, you saw an inner drive that would just come forward. It's almost like this intangible component. And every time you gave a word of instruction, you could see him mentally and physically trying to engage with the instruction that we were given, giving this individual to the point where this kid will be on the field this year playing some games. What was the difference? It was the, the difference in the heart connect. It was the difference in the, the, how much he was willing to get involved. When I look at the, the people that are doing the sit-ups and the push-ups, I see an inner drive within him. He's going to do it, and he's going to do it well. When I see him learning how to bunt, he's going to take the hits, but he's going to learn, and he does it so well. I see a throwing motion that, that has got power behind it now because he's willing to engage with the fundamentals. But if we are not willing to engage with the fundamentals of the faith, the simple things of just sharing our testimony with others, with inviting them to church, then how can we expect to grow in the faith? 
We can take and take and take and take all day long. I can watch baseball all day long. I can be an expert in what I see all day long. But I guarantee you that when I step up to the plate and when my cleats dig into the, into the dirt and I take my position and I see a fastball coming down, it's an entirely different situation than watching it on TV. John 1.29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do we believe that? Do we believe it? You see, as I was looking at this particular passage, we can get so caught up in our CNNs, our Fox News. And notice I played both sides of the equation there, right? We could get so caught up in our CNNs and our Fox Newses and our MSNBCs and, and all the other podcasts that are coming through about uh, the, all the poor, disparaging news of this world, and there's a whole lot of it. We can get so caught up with it, but we lose sight of the fact that there is a piece of good news that says that Jesus Christ can take away the sins of the world. Now, let me ask you this question, because my mind just tends to go, remember, give a moose a muffin type of a thing? Yeah, right? Give a moose a muffin, and he wants access to the kitchen. Give a moose a muffin. He not only wants a muffin, he wants access to the kitchen. Now he wants access to the stove and all those particular things. But So uh, you just gave the moose a muffin when you said that Jesus Christ takes away the sins of the world. What would happen to our society if their sins were taken away? Think about that. Just that one statement. If their sins were taken away, what would our society look like? It'd be different. So... Do we just continue to be, oh, down in the mouth, oh, I can't do anything, oh, I'm not going to get into the game? Or do we say, you know what, I believe in the truth that Jesus Christ can take away the sins of the world, and therefore I'm going to do something about it because I want to influence my family, my friends, my community in a way that will glorify God. Uh, church, we've got some work to do. Romans 3.23, everyone sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Oh my, that is good news. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Even today as Pastor Tony and Pastor Tyler were, were bringing the word and, and Pastor Bill was sharing a prophetic word today, we can be freed from sin Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit's reminding me. You and I don't free others from sin. Jesus does. But we put this pressure on ourselves when we talk to others that we've got to change them. <laughs> That's a problem. We don't change anybody. We can walk beside them. We can influence them for the glory of God. But it's God himself through the blood of Jesus, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that can change a person. And when we take those responsibilities off of ourselves, all of a sudden there's a freedom to love people into the kingdom. 
to tell them about Jesus, to invite them to church so they can find out about Jesus. I remember uh, as I was growing up, I would sit in a church and I would listen to these evangelists come and they'd go through the Romans Road and all these other evangelistic things. And all of my mind intellectually could say is, man, I can never get those steps right. I'm going to talk to somebody and I'm going to put Romans Road, end of Romans Road, into the middle of Romans Road, and the beginning at the end, and I'm going to screw it all up. And I had myself worked up before I even left the pew in that church. Forget it. You know Jesus Christ. You know what he's done in your life. You know where you can hear about Jesus Christ. That's all you need. Get out there and love people into the kingdom. Furthermore, if you're going to take those stance of having to use all those recipes to win people into the kingdom, you're probably going to project, <laughs> you're probably going to project that they are a project. Jesus wasn't about the projects. He was about the relationship, the authentic relationship. How are we doing in our authentic relationships with people? Romans 3.25, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. We know that. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus, when they believe, when they believe, when they believe, not that you've convinced them to believe, but when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. And I love this. At the end of verse 26, he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Now, turning back with me to John chapter 1, verse 33, John himself says, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one whom you see, the spirit descended and rests, is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Not only do we see people now being introduced to somebody that can forgive them of their sins, how cruel would it have been of God just to leave it at that? I mean, it's grace, that's for sure, but hear me out. Isn't it so much more now that we've been forgiven of sins and now we've got purpose and empowerment through a power that is not even our own? Holy Spirit. You see what's wrapped into this? The Lamb of God coming to take away the sins of the world, but then the Lamb of God being the one that can baptize in the Holy Spirit, the empowerment that we need to be successful in this life, for the kingdom of God, for others. And when we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not just going to talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, where Holy Spirit takes up residence within us, Romans 5 then tells us, and there has been a theme of this today about joy, Romans 5 says that because we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we now have a peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Who do you know today that needs peace? A whole lot of people. Now, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. 
Forgiveness, empowerment, joy, peace, sharing in God's glory. That's all available to us, and that is a message that we all know. If you've sat in church for a year, which I believe every one of us has, almost every one of us has in this room, then you know these messages. You know these messages. You don't need to be told again and again and again. But again, I come back to this place. If we believe this, then why don't we take it out into the streets? Because that's where it's needed right now. What's holding us back? And can I ask you a pretty pointed question? Oh, please, no, I don't have anybody in my sights when I ask this question. So I've got to ask it about myself every once in a while as well. What is indicated about us if our hearts could care less? I was a paper carrier, wow, a long time ago. I was 11 years old when I got my first paper route. Um, I'm a lot like my son, Elijah, who he is today. I remember um, taking the, the bold approach and reaching out to the Erie Times News Circulation Department and making some phone calls. And the next thing you know, I, I remember a um, district manager, soon to be an incredible mentor of mine, coming to my house and sitting down at the kitchen table with my mom and myself talking about the responsibilities of a newspaper carrier. The district manager's name was Glenn Caruso, since retired from the Erie Times News. And I'll never forget, I was so nervous. Again, I'm, I'm only 11 years old. I, well, first thing was I lied about my age, so I was afraid I was going to get caught. <laughs> and... Uh, I think he knew, but he was gracious. And he asked me a question. He said, um, somebody owes you 75 cents. This is a tough, Bill, this is a tough business question. Somebody owes you 75 cents. They give you a dollar. How much change do you give them back? I could not get the answer right to save my life. And the whole time I heard Glenn, he saw the panic in my eyes. <laughs> I heard Glenn saying to me, a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. I couldn't hear him. That poor guy was just trying to give me everything I need. I said, a dime? <laughs> he said, no, a quarter. <laughs> 35 cents? A quarter. This, young, this guy, this, this younger district manager took me under his wing and he got me started and he, he walked with me, introduced me to the, the Times Publishing Company and the business of a paper route, which at that point in time, we weren't making a whole lot, but man, as an 11-year-old who was supposed to be 12, I was putting some money in the bank. And it was something that Glenn noticed about me, though. He noticed that there was a desire to do good. 
I did good with my customers. I made sure I was the first one out. I was waiting for the paper truck in the mornings before they would actually drop the papers off. It wasn't long before Glenn would regularly stop by my mother's house just to check in on me to make sure things were good. He taught me how to bank my money. He taught me how to buy my supplies. He taught me a bunch of stuff. But one day he said to me, he said, you know, he said, your route would have been bigger had the person in front of you not screwed it up. Lost a lot of customers. He delivered late, if at all. And there's a bunch of customers out there that just uh, are no longer customers of the Times News. That's all you had to say to me at that point in time. So I took it on my own, and I started to knock on doors, and I talked to these people. And, and as I knocked on the doors, I'd say, hey, I'm, my name's Jimmy Dinger, and, uh, you know, I'm the news carrier in this area. And, and I'd go through this little spiel that I had made up. And can I tell you, there was, it was amazing. Um, out of all the, the knocks that I had in that neighborhood or those neighborhoods that I would serve, I only had one or two people that said no to the starting of the paper. And Glenn saw this. All of a sudden, here's route, I actually remember my paper route number. Here's route 854. 854 has got another start. 854 has another start and another start and another start and another start. And the next thing you know, I've got Glenn coming to the house talking to my mom. And he says, hey, do you mind if I take him around and, and uh, we'll talk, try and deal with some of these damaged areas here in this community that other carriers have destroyed. And she said, go for it. And he would. He would take me around. And, and I mean, what a sales tool. You know, I got an 11-year-old knocking on the door, right? And uh, so, but he would take me around and would, he'd invest in me and would continue to develop and start, 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 start. And we developed several other routes out of this. And, and the next thing you know, I'm winning trips to West Virginia and whitewater rafting and a bunch of junk that an 11-year-old can get excited about. And, and so my name's in the newspaper and all that type of stuff, and I just stopped and I thought about it. Wait a minute here. What, what, what's going on? Well, what was going on was I would go to the neighbors, as it relates to our church message today, I would go to those neighbors and say, hey, you need to know what's going on in your world. I've got news for you. Literally. The paper. I've got news for you. Would you join and time after time after time, they would join. But guess what would happen? I would honor my word to them, and they would be great customers, faithful customers. And I would be tipped well at Christmas. We should employ this here, and at Easter. I got tipped well at Easter. Did you hear that? Easter's coming up. Yeah. But I got rewarded. My business grew. I taught a class on, it was called Everyday Evangelism. I've taught it a few times now. And one of the resources I, I used was a book by Greg Laurie in, his, uh, in this book called uh, Tell Someone. In the research that they've done, this just breaks my heart. In the research that they've done, 95% of people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, 95% will accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, grow in the faith, and die 
and will have never led somebody to Jesus. Now, do me a favor. I'm going to pick on seven of you right now just for, for visuals here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If we could get these two rows, just stand for a second. Out of a church of our size right now, or the congregation that's here right now, I'm estimating, so if somebody, your bean counters out there, don't check my math, but this is roughly it, that 95% of followers of Jesus Christ will accept him, grow in him, and die, and never introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. 95%. I want you to look around at everybody that's sitting, church. That's about 95%. That is a deplorable figure. Thank you. You can sit down. But conversely, 95% will accept an invitation to church if asked. Asked. Think about, how did you come into the faith? How did you come to Pathway? For those of you that are watching online, how did you get involved at the church that you're at? It's typically an invitation. What was required of me as an 11-year-old businessman <laughs> was to go and ask. And what I found out is it's not that scary. Yes, 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 is what I would be told. In Romans, oh my, chapter 10, verses 13 to 15, and we're going to be closing here in just a second. Romans chapter 10, the apostle writes, the apostle Paul writes, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Follow this through with me. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And for us today, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You have been sent, church. When Jesus came back and spoke to the disciples and said, therefore, go into all the nations. That was our send. That was our commissioning. That was the permission, if you will. Close your eyes for just a second, if you will. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. What good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop 
that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You can open your eyes. Will they praise? Will they praise because your life was used to give them an encounter with Jesus Christ? Will they praise? that stack of papers and divide it amongst Bill and Jen and would you just kind of distribute those throughout remember Andrew titled this sermon The Andrew Project the project really wasn't Peter project really was Andrew and Andrew believing in what he saw and what he heard to the point where he wanted his brother to see what he had seen the people that we are inviting for Easter They will hear a message of good news. They will hear a message of hope. They will have an encounter with Jesus Christ. But they are not projects. Our heart is the project. If we're a part of that 95%, our heart is the project. And where God is saying, I'd like to use you. So Pathway, it is time for us to quit looking the part and to start playing the part. Will you be willing to put yourself out on that field even today? Jesus Christ. Now here's how we're going to respond. I'm going to put my glove right here on this corner. Buster, you're a ball player. Can I put you on the spot? Can I throw a ball at you? Can you still catch? Sebastian, can you still catch? Thank you. Get back by Buster. We're going to play a little game of catch. Seriously, get back by Buster. I'm going to have you throw me the ball. Oh, you th- oh, you gave it to Buster. Oh, that's cheap. You think you can make it to me? I couldn't throw it to you. You think you can make it to me? No, I know you. No, 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 no. Now listen. That's not what I asked for. Go back there. Stand up. Okay, here's what we're doing. Here's what I know about baseball. 
this is your friend. Now, if you use it improperly, you're going to get whacked in the face and it's going to hurt. But as I coach, this is a new glove for me, as I coach my players, what I tell them is let the glove do the work. But in order for the glove to do the work, you kind of have to position it where you're seeing the ball come in, right? But what does that ball naturally do? When that ball comes in, it receives that ball. And if it's broken in the right way, it will help close against that ball and hold it. Here's what we're going to do. Can you toss me that ball, Buster? Nice throw. See that? I moved the ball into position. I'm asking God, I've been praying to God to move us all into position this week. Yeah, yeah. To place us where the people are. Guess what? Every one of you is a person of influence. Every one of you works with somebody. Every one of you lives with somebody. Every one of you might go to school with somebody. Every one of you might interact with somebody on the streets like Pastor Sean is continually doing. I'm asking God to position us to where the people are. And you know what he's going to do? He acts like the pocket in this glove. And when that person is given the opportunity to invite, to be invited to know Jesus Christ, I'm trusting that he is going to close around their hearts and speak to them. So here's what I'm asking. Before you before is a sheet of paper. that you're going to put the first name that you feel Holy Spirit putting on your heart, and you're going to put that name on that piece of paper. And that simple little prayer that I wrote there, I want you to hold on to that prayer. But then I want you to bring that piece of paper, and I want you to put it into the pocket of this glove. And this week, we as a staff are going to pray over every one of those. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray that God gives you not just one, not just two, but multiple opportunities to invite people to church. What would have happened had Andrew not invited Peter? Oh, my. Peter was the one that prayed on the day of Pentecost, and thousands came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Peter was the one who God used to say to the Gentiles, oh, salvation is for you as well. Peter is the one who helped develop polity for the church. And Peter was the one who even stepped out on the water with Jesus. What would happen if God brought some Peters into our lives? How might the kingdom be different? So are we clear? I'm going to pray. You're going to put a name down. And then you're going to commit that name to prayer and yourself to inviting them to church. Now, notice in Andrew's testimony here, Andrew didn't have to preach a sermon. Andrew didn't have to convince Peter to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All Andrew did was invite Peter to meet Jesus. That was it. You can invite people to meet Jesus right here at Pathway. We provided those cards, their invitations that talk about all the things that are happening through that week for kids to adults. There's something for everybody here. But will you get out on that field? Let's stand.
So, Father, all across this room, there are people that are thinking of people. And I pray right now that you would just give them your heart. You love people, all people. And you want all people to come to know you. So, Father, I ask you right now that as we pray for others at this very moment, that you begin the work on their hearts. And that we would see your kingdom expand for your glory, not ours. For your glory. For your glory. Give us spirits of boldness and courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and bring those forward. Place those right there in that glove that's sitting there. Or you can go on the offering plate. I saw some on the offering plate. Go right there in that glove. If you, if you want to put it in a glove, put it in the offering plate. If you want to put it in the offering plate. But I just get the sense right now, Pastor Tony, would you join me up here, brother? I'm going to have you close this out. But Pastor Tony, I just get the sense that there's somebody here that's just, they just need an invitation to get things right with God. Would you close this out? Would you bring that invitation forward? Thank you, bro. Pastor Jim, what would happen if every person in this room would bring one person? We'd be out of room. <laughs> we wouldn't have enough seats. Conway would be a mess. <laughs> Trying to find seats. Listen, Eric, would you, would you, like, guys, blow us away this Easter. Like, blow our socks off. I mean, make it make it so uncomfortable that we got to put seats up on that up on that ledge or wherever up on the. Man, come on, let's let's do it. I I, I do want to follow Pastor Jim's instructions as well. I believe that there that maybe you're feeling a call in your heart to receive Jesus as your Savior right now. Maybe someone online right now. Come on, we just prayer warriors just begin to pray. This is a holy time. At the end of this message is so appropriate. Some of us who have been sitting in church for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, but have never received the gospel message that Jesus Christ loves you and that he died for you. Father, I pray that in this room right now, if there is someone within earshot of my voice, that they would receive the love of Jesus. The Bible is very clear. It says, anyone who calls on my name, He's waiting for you. He's been waiting for you to call on his name. It's not a religious duty that we're talking about. It's not about coming to church. It's about a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just cry out to him right now in your heart. If you're online right now, just cry out to Jesus. And I promise you, I promise you he'll hear you. And he'll come and he'll save you. Father, I pray for every person that's receiving you right now as their Lord. You can, 
there's something happening. There's a born again. I talked about it last week. There's a born again experience happening in your heart right now. Something is shifting inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit moving upon you. Receive the love of Jesus. Cry out to him for he loves you and he cares for you and he died for you. Father, I pray for every person receiving the gift of salvation right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. If you have received Jesus Christ into your heart today, will you please come and talk to someone? I want the prayer team to come up. And if you're online, will you please communicate with us so we know that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We want to be with you and help you and to walk with you. Now let me let me let me bless you all as we get ready to go. Are are you guys ready to blow us away this Easter? Come on, it's on you. I mean it. I mean it. Conway sweating. I can see the sweat. Like I want to see. Like we're just pack this place out with so many chairs and people, and and we're gonna give up our seats, right? If we need to, and we're gonna stand along the wall. I've been. Yeah, I've, I've just in African cultures where you just there's just not enough room, and you just are packed in. Uh, ah, man, I know that's not COVID-friendly, sorry. But, oops. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless every person right now. Thank you for this message, this anointed message from our pastor today. Bless him and his family. I thank you for them. I thank you for the word of God that is upon us and in us. Help us to, to not just be watchers on the sideline, Lord, knowing about baseball. But let us get in the game, Lord, and play with all of our hearts. I just get that image of Jesus saying, come on, let's play ball. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray these things. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, high five someone. Let's give the Lord a hand clap in this place. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week as you share the love of Jesus with your neighbor.